the way all the way to the back there. We were praying about this because we are called harvest communities. And if you're called harvest, you ought to be in the harvest, wouldn't you say? That would be a good thing. And we weren't in the harvest. We weren't seeing too many people getting saved. And so we came together and we prayed about it. As we were, One of the times we were praying, Robin, sitting right there, said, I see us pouring gasoline on other ministries. And that sounded like the Lord. It sounded like uh, serving, going low and helping others. And then a smaller group of us were praying when we, as we were, felt we were getting closer. And that's when Karis, my daughter, mentioned, I feel we're supposed to go to Frogtown and help John Tolo. As soon as she said it, the, other, the four of us, uh, it just felt like the spirit just came over me. And we knew that that was the Lord speaking to us. So then we talked to the larger group, about 25. They all bore witness. So we're taking steps. There are three meetings now planned. There's one, as you said, for uh, Tuesday that some are from here are going to. It's community. And John, I didn't know this, but John said, I'm spending a lot of my time fighting sexual trafficking. Does that make you angry when you hear, hear sexual trafficking? Does that make you angry to think that women and children are being sold as slaves? I hope it makes you angry. And then next Sunday we'll be here because we're a church and we feel called to plant churches. And uh, I'm excited to go there next Sunday and see a church plant. Then on uh, the February 22nd, there's going to be an outreach that we're going to participate in. So we're on the move. Love to have you moving with us. So kids, if you're playing soccer, let's say you're playing soccer and uh, your team is behind one and there's time is running out and you get the ball, you steal the ball, you're going down, you step on the line, maybe you stepped over the line, but you score a touchdown. So you're tied up with him. One guy says, you stepped over the line. So what are you going to say? You're going to say, no, I didn't. <laughs> Beverly told Jerry he was putting in too many hours at work. They're married. And not spending enough time with the children. What do you think Jerry did? Jerry had just heard a sermon about humbling oneself. Here's what Jerry said. I work hard to provide for the family. Why do you have to be so critical? So Beverly closed down and kept her misery to herself. You think that was a good thing, kids? What do you think you should have done? Ethan, what, what would you have done if you were a dad and your wife... Your beautiful wife, Beverly, said you're not spending enough time with the kids. What do you think you would have said? Uh, maybe I can try and spend more time with them. Ooh, good answer. Maybe I can try to spend more time with them. Why was this guy so defensive? He could have changed the situation. But he got locked up in his defensiveness. Craig risked 
telling his boss about the difficult working conditions, the short lunch period, and the absence of break, saying it would would improve employee satisfaction. He was sure Martin would appreciate the recommendation. Did Martin appreciate the recommendation? Instead, he cut Craig's hours and told him he was a whiner. A different response would have changed the bottom line on the company. But he was unable or unwilling to be vulnerable. We're talking about vulnerability this morning. I'm really excited about this message because I need it. And so do you. Maybe as much as I do. Carrie appreciates his wife Sally and lets her know often. When he told her recently that he just wondered if maybe she talked on the phone just a little too much, she blew up and got on the phone to tell her mom and a few other people (laughs) about her mean husband. (laughs) Proving. The captain told the basketball coach that maybe they were losing their games because of the tension between the players. The coach fought back a triggered defense and asked for more information. A long meeting with the team brought out the airing of differences and improved their record dramatically. Are you vulnerable? The word vulnerable comes from the Latin word vulnus, which means wound. Vulnari means wounded, to be wounded. So a vulnerable person is one who is willing to be wounded. There's the best example of a person willing to be wounded. No more exposed. There was never anyone who has been more exposed, more open to be wounded than Jesus on the cross. Naked, being fired at by people all around, it says, including the thieves on the cross, coming at him physically, emotionally, spiritually, under attack, but he stayed there. He was willing to be wounded because of the future of the human race. Are you willing to be wounded? Or are you so insecure that like me sometimes you react when it's coming close and you're not willing to be weak? I have a friend named Mark Herringshaw. He went public not too long ago. My wife Jill and I, he was pastor, senior pastor at North Heights Lutheran Church up the street. This is public, so I'm not exposing anything. He, he already exposed it. My wife, Jill, and I will soon celebrate 27th anniversary. Almost not. Truth be told, we almost crashed and burned about seven years ago when we diagnosed a cancer in our relationship that nearly killed our marriage. I know, Mark, I didn't know this. We survived only because of the mystery of the cross. The seed of the sickness lodged in 1998 
when I began a PhD program at Regent University. When I first took the idea to Jill, she seemed cautious. We had four small children, not much money, and to compete, complete this program, I'd have to maintain my full-time job. Not a great prospect for a real life. Still, I persisted, and I can be convincing. I eventually wore her down and won her concession, her permission, but not her mandate. Inside, she resented it. I studied hard for four years. In the long run, this will be a good thing for the family, I told myself. It would open doors, but the cost was high. Jill went on with the business of raising the kids. In the months after I completed the studies, I began to re-engage with my family, but I found a wall separating us. One day, Jill and I went for a walk in the woods behind our house. Jill aired her pain and anger, and she warned me that if we didn't get help, she could no longer live with me. So what did Mark do? He could have flattened her had he not been vulnerable. And that would have been it. I hadn't known until that moment the gravity of our crisis. I agreed to go with her, see a counselor. And you can read the rest if you want. I could send this to you. But they are together now. It worked. It It didn't happen in a week. It didn't happen in a month. It took time. And the cross of Jesus broke through. And uh, really thankful. We had a conference this last week. On Wednesday, Leif Hetland, a friend and a, a pastor, international reputation, in the middle of his talk, he told us about his bout with opium, that he was addicted. And I said Karen, to Karen, he didn't have to say that. How vulnerable can you get if you're a world-class leader and you tell you're hooked on opium because of the pain? took a while. And he was outwardly seeing miracles in his ministry, but inwardly he was desperate. When a person gets vulnerable and it's real, it levels the playing field. It says, okay, maybe my struggles aren't so weird because many of us feel, why, why am I different? Why am I weird? Why do they have, seem to may have it easier? Raise your hand if you've had that thought in the last month. Why do others seem to make it easier than me? I don't know why it's so hard for me. Dan Thorson spoke here a week ago Tuesday. And he shared about joy. And he's a joyful person. And he said, I wish I could say that I, I live this out, but my joy is often circumstantial. And I said, what a wonderful thing to say, to talk about joy, to call us to joy, to tell us that we can walk in joy that's unrelated to our circumstances, but then to say, I'm not there. That's a wonderful thing. That's being vulnerable. About a month ago, one of my sons sent out an email to his siblings And as I read it, I said, how vulnerable. He really, he he laid it open. He said, I haven't been the elder brother that I want to be to you. I haven't been grace-oriented like I want to be. And I really applauded him, told him so. Two weeks later, 
one of his siblings wrote an email. When Carus read it, when I read it, we got choked up. Vulnerability releases vulnerability, doesn't it? When you are really honest, really vulnerable, not pretending, it releases a perfume in the air that releases grace to allow other people to acknowledge they're not doing so well either. I'm so thankful that a couple years ago when I asked the family, tell me where I failed you as a father, and you would have thought they would have given me the courtesy of waiting for 10 seconds before they started <laughs> telling me how I failed them, but they jumped right in, right away. The first thing that was said, I wanted to react to it. Something inside of me said, that isn't true. Literally, that's what I felt. But I said, Andrew, is that true? He said, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm outnumbered, already two to one. And so then got a couple more. Andrew said, sometimes we feel that you care about the kids at Communitas more than you care about us. I think I just got wounded. And I said, you know, I can understand how you'd say that. It's not true, and I'll prove to you it's not true, but thank you for sharing that because I want to show you how important you are to me. So this isn't a sermon out here somewhere. This is a message right from my heart to your heart. Why does vulnerability release grace? Think about it. Why, why does that affect us so positively when people are so honest and sometimes so negative? It says that I'm not alone in my struggles because sometimes you think you're alone. It says that God uses our failures, which is really good news, because when we fail, we think, well, that's a waste. It says that God's going to convert something here. Even failures as a father, he can convert failures as a husband. He can convert. What does it take? It takes vulnerability. It takes getting out of your defensiveness and acknowledge, yeah, I did step over the line. I guess I did go outside. It says that we're on the way and not there, and that the process is just as important as the destination. If the process is important, if it's treated as unimportant, it'll affect the product. Consider communism. The process is terrible. The product, community, communion, communism, that sounds like a good product. But they violate the process in order to get there, and they, get, they don't get the right product. If you violate the process, if you're defensive and ornery because you're going after something that you think is worth going after, like parenting, you just lost. It says that I can share my weaknesses and don't have to pretend. Come on, where do people pretend the most? Come on. Isn't that sometimes true? Now, it's not always, but isn't it sometimes true that because we're supposed to be a certain way, we better at least look it. So shut up, kids. We're on our way to church. (laughs) Behave. 
And don't pick your nose when you're in church. So we, we missed the process because we're going after the end and we just lost. Pretense is ugly. And Jesus saw it in the Pharisees who were so pretentious. He called them pupocrates, actors, play actors. He said, you stink inside. You're whitewashed sepulchers. And you're painted up. You look good. It's so wonderful when we can stop pretending. Any of you remember when you stopped pretending? I remember. I was a young pastor. And I was an elder brother. I read the story of the prodigal son and I got nervous. Because I identified with the person who was the brunt of the story, the elder brother. It's not about the prodigal. The story wasn't written for the prodigal. Read the beginning. It tells you why he said it. It was because of the... The elder brothers. And I identified as an elder brother. I said, well, I'm in trouble. And I, I, I did some pretending. I didn't tell lies, but I lived them. And I had to change my outlook. Change how I dealt with people. Change the judgmental outlook. Change the way I performed. And to get a little more real. And I was very thankful when my sister Lois said, Paul, it seems to me that you have just rejoined the human race. <laughs> That was good news. I, I knew then I was getting someplace. And, and now it takes about three seconds on the phone for us just to start laughing, right? Because yeah. it's just so freeing to be who you are. No one can be who you are. But if you pretend, if you pretend, if you're comparing, if you're contrasting, you're trying to be something different, nobody's you because you're not being you and no one else wants to be you. So be you. And learn the importance of vulnerability. It takes the pressure off because I feel like others are doing so much better. That took the pressure off me. And I can honestly say I, I, I usually don't struggle now with having to compare myself. I, I usually don't. I sometimes do. Because it's okay. It's okay if next door there are 800 people and here there are 70. Count them. See how close I came. I'm very competitive. <laughs> it makes us open to the grace of God because his power works with weakness, not with strength. So if I'm pretending strength, I just lost. But if I acknowledge my weakness, I'm in good place. I want to read you some verses about weakness. There are a lot of them. And it's very interesting. You don't know this. But I just, I just saw this. It was last night or this morning. They're all from First and Second Corinthians. And if you know something about Corinthians and Corinth, Paul came from Athens and he got beat up. We don't know exactly what happened, but he didn't plant a church in Athens. And I think maybe he felt like a failure. I m maybe he intellectualized things too much. You read in Acts 17 how he talked about them. But it looks like it might have been a failure. He planted churches almost everywhere he went, but not in Athens. And he said, I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My, was he weak when he got to Corinth. 
And he stayed there a long time, and there was progress because of what he was doing. And he writes things like this. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Okay, so we're not into beauty brains and brawn. That's not, that's not our priority. That's, that's not our perspective. See, we have a different value system. So we don't have to get caught up in that. I came to you, well, here's, I already said this, in weakness and fear with much trembling. Paul? Yeah, and he's being vulnerable, isn't he? Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. What, what precedes power? Weakness. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. When was the last time you, you bragged about your weakness? Paul went on and said, no, that's the next verse. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am then I am am I naturally strong? I'm weak. I acknowledge it. I can't. You can. I need your help. I, yeah. We're going to sing it. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. All things are possible. Oh, that one. That's one. Yeah. Yeah. She's just... One way to remember. Every once in a while, not very often, every once in a while she thinks of a song. Like, all the time. But then she sings it, which is even better. Okay. He was crucified in weakness, Yet he lives by God's power. What's the, what's the picture of the weakest, weakest person in the world? Right here. Right here. What's the, what's the strongest thing God did? The power of the cross. Power of the cross to transform lives. In weakness is strength. Paul says, we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. All those scriptures were from First and Second Corinthians. When I ask you a question, I want you just to turn with somebody else, someone close to you, and try to answer this question. I'll give you two, but just if you get one done, that's enough. Why is it that you struggle with vulnerability? And the second, what would change if you were more vulnerable? Just turn to somebody. Why is it? Why do you struggle? And then what would change? Okay? Just turn. Take a, take a couple moments. Kids, if you can get this, you're going to be a lot happier. Because vulnerable people are stronger and they're happier because they're willing to be weak. 
Are you with me? We're coming here. Okay, we're together. You kids know that there are people that you can't say something to. And it can make you angry because you want to say, you know, can't you see it the other way? And they just tighten up and resist you and say, shut up. You know, they're mean. Vulnerability is so kind. When you're, you would rather win a friendship than an argument. When you'd rather come in second on earth because you're coming in first in heaven. Because heaven is smiling on those who are vulnerable and, and those who aren't in an attack mode. Those who don't have their defenses up. The Pharisees had their defenses up. We have Abraham as our father. Ready to fight. Are you a fighter with your words? I'm sorry to say I don't have this down. You know, I love my wife, and I, sometimes I react. I'm sorry. I wish I didn't do it. I want to learn how not to do it. Don't you? Don't you want to learn not to be yes, defensive? <laughs> don't you want to learn that, honey? Can't, don't, don't you want to? Yeah. We're Look at the prodigal son story. Who's, who's the vulnerable one? Who's the vulnerable one in that story? Pardon? The younger, son. the younger son. Is the elder son at all vulnerable? He said, I have never disobeyed your command. Come on, guy. You're disobeying it right now. He told you to come inside. You're staying out in the field. You're, you're disobeying him on the spot, and you're saying you're never disobedient. When you're defensive, you're a liar. Here's this Pharisee that is coming, and sometimes positive just isn't enough. It's not enough to be positive. He comes in and says, I thank you, God. Not like other people. Uh Uh-oh, this didn't start very good. I tithe. I I fast my garden, my mint, dill, and cumin. And I give to the poor. Come on, let's applaud for this guy. And then here's a... A publican who comes in, and he doesn't feel very positive. Says, "God be merciful." Bible says this guy got credit in heaven. This man was justified. That's that's vulnerability. The church in Laodicea. What did they say? We don't need anything. We're in good shape. They didn't know how how naked and poor, and wretched, and blind, and sick to death they were. But they, they talked like they were in good shape. Forget the talk. If we say, it occurs three times in First John 1. If we say, oh my, listen to what your mouth, is, what's coming out. If we say, we have no sin. Who gets deceived? We're the, we're the deceived ones. The Pharisees were the deceived ones. The elder brother was the deceived ones. I don't want to be deceived. I want to be honest so I don't get fall into deception. If we say we have not sinned, we've made him a liar. Oh, my. That sounds serious. And his word is not in us. I don't want to be there. I want to be in a place where I'm open. Last thing I do in my prayers I yield, P-R-A-Y, start with praise, and go to repentance. And I have about 20 things that I repent of daily because I know they're issues. 
Then I, I ask, and the last thing I do is what? Give me a good guess. What? Yield. yield. There it is. I yield my time. I yield my bad attitudes. I yield my struggles. I yield my uh, temperament. I yield my day. I yield my schedule. I yield about 20 things because I, I don't want to be in charge and to be in a posture that keeps me when God wants to get through to me. So I just want to share a couple, a uh, few principles about weakness, and then we'll go. We'll have another time of, of uh, sharing and uh, get down to business with this for for where we are today. Here's some here's some truths that are worth pondering. God can turn our greatest weakness into what am I going to say? Yeah, he often does it. He takes the greatest weakness, and that becomes what he uses to show his grace. Weakness brings me God's grace. Man, that's what I need. Weakness overcomes the devil. He can't, if you want to ditch the devil, go low, because he's never been there. He doesn't know how to go low. He doesn't know how to humble himself. It's pride from beginning to end. You can ditch him by declaring your weakness. God uses weakness to shame proud people like the Pharisees. Weakness encourages not only dependence upon God, but interdependence with others. If you're in a congregation like this, and people acknowledge their weakness, it's really, it, you have really strong fellowship. Right? Did I hear an amen to that? Because you're not competing. You're not trying to up the other person. You know your weakness, and so you relate really well. You relate honestly, and you really are positive because you see God doing things in people. You point them out, and there's encouragement that comes because we're not having to pretend that things are better than they really are. Weakness facilitates healing. Therefore, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. When, you, when you're weak... In body and spirit, when you confess it, it releases the power of God. It brings healing. So, I'm closing now. Would you rather win an argument or build a marriage? Would you rather win a fight or strengthen a friendship? Anybody feisty here? Anybody likes to argue a lot? Anybody? Any arguers? You know what the Bible says? If you want to be perfect, drop two things. Complaining and arguing. I'm praying that in my life. I don't want to complain. I don't want to argue. You watch. I'll be getting perfect. <laughs> How would you like to have a perfect pastor? Cut that from the tape, Eric. Would you rather look good or walk in humility? What would be your preference? Take a pick. Would you rather look good or walk in humility. I pray often, God, I want to walk in humility because that's, grace does not grow in the highlands. You can't find it on the hills. You can only find it in the valleys. The Bible says it, it comes to the low. God disregards the, those that are on the highlands but gives grace to the lowly. He bends low for those who are lowly. And if you see yourself there, like Tim said, we're, we're serving. This is a serving community. We focus at Communitas strongly on serving. They're the heroes. 
Not necessarily the upfront people, although they are serving too. Behind the scenes, they're doing a lot of serving. Would you rather impress people or impress heaven? Take your pick, because it may be an either-or. I'll tell you, I want to learn how to go low and take criticism, not react. I want to learn how to live above offense. I want to learn to release grace by vulnerability. I want to overcome my pride by the willingness to be weak. I want to walk in truth. I don't want to fool you by pretending. What an insult. I want to be who I really am to help you be who you really are. And I want to live like Jesus who made people feel loved and accepted although he was holy and perfect. Sound good to you? Let's, let's just pray for that and then get back into your group and however you feel led to act on this, however you, however you want to pray for each other. Maybe you want to pray a prayer of, of humble acknowledgement of areas in your own life. Maybe you want to be vulnerable in that prayer. Vulnerable prayer is so wonderful. So, Father, we, we acknowledge this morning that these kind of things don't come natural to us. We're naturally defensive. We're naturally on guard. We're naturally protective. And yet we see our symbol, the symbol of the cross that's in front of our face, and that shows someone who, who was willing to get in harm's way, willing to be wounded, willing to be weak, willing to be disregarded, dis- willing to be overlooked, willing to be despised and rejected. Lord, we pray that you'd grant us the kind of security that makes us thank people when they criticize us. We really want you to work in our lives in this area, Lord. We want to be a kind of community that just cares for people, that loves people. Working in us now, even as we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Do you want me to read this, honey? Oh, oh, good. Because uh, she's just sharing with me what it, it, vulnerability does not mean. Uh, vulnerability does not mean letting other people run over you. It may, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. It, I once was talking to Pastor Christensen, and there was a situation, and he said, don't lay down. Fight. He said that's the kind of situation that calls for a fight, not for vulnerability. So this doesn't mean that you always just let other people run over you. If you're in an abusive situation, time out. Vulnerability does not mean always talking about my weaknesses. Hey, that can get kind of old. (laughs) And it may actually put the emphasis on you rather than on Jesus. Inappropriate sharing of personal failure. I've called it before where people are being inappropriate in how they share. Letting it all hang out. Being vulnerable with the wrong people at the wrong time for the wrong reason, as Hezekiah was in the Bible. I won't go into that. but He was vulnerable with his possessions, and God judged his uh, his, uh, uh, children, grandchildren after him because of his stupidity. So 
We want to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. And you've got to put that together with truth and grace. We can't do it except by the Holy Spirit. So I bless you. I'm going to say it here now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So take, you know, you want to take two minutes, you can. If you want to take 15 minutes, you can. But move back in your groups. This is where it, it really happens, where you engage now for a time. And I hope everybody can do it. Kids, you're good at this as well. Just take a little time, kids, to engage with somebody. So you're talking together about this. So you're learning. Parents can help them. Okay, move, move together. And stick around as long as you can. We don't. We have a potluck uh, next. Is that next? No, February second. February second. Two weeks from today.